have tried to stop the power of God's word. They've tried to control it and even destroy it. They so it would not be heard. But the word has survived and it's very alive and it still has the upper hand. Before we came along and after we are all gone, God's word will stand. Oh, I've taken my stand with the book in my hand that stood the test of time. It's weathered the storm while scoffers horn, threatenings of every kind. The eternal survival of that old black Bible, this truth will never end. So whatever may come, when it's all said and done, God's word will stand. God's merit word from cover to cover it's still a bestseller of any book in the world written down on those pages are the answers for the nations and the truths to guide their paths but whatever they decide they will surely realize that God's word will stand oh I've taken my stand with the book of time. It's weathered the storm while scoffers warn threatenings of every kind. The eternal survival of that old black Bible is truth will never end. So whatever may come when it's all said and done, God's word will stand. Oh, I've taken my stand with the book in my hand that stood of time. It's weathered the storm while scoffers roared, threatens of every kind. The eternal survival of the King James Bible, its truth will never end. So whatever may come, when it's all said and done, God's word will stand forever stand. I love that song. I sang that for one reason. It just it gets me fired up. It gets me excited. And I tell you, I am going to try to do something that's probably impossible, and that is really talk about one of my favorite subjects uh, in all in all the world. And I'm going to try to do it and get done at a, at a decent time. And one of the reasons I planned this one for the day of the fellowship, I thought that food is probably going to be the only thing that will get me to shut this thing down in time. And so uh, I hope you. Well, bear with me as I try to give you a lot of stuff in a short time. And uh, this message, I believe it is so very, very important. And uh, it said there, uh, what I'm going to be preaching today is something that not too many, there's not too many people out preaching this. 
And and it's sad because I mean we're killing ourselves because we're not uh, people are not teaching this and because people are not being taught this and I there's no way I can teach everything about this in, in one message. I hope one of these days to maybe uh, you know do a whole series on it or maybe even have somebody come in that could uh, speak on this subject and, and teach it a whole lot better than I can. But I want to talk today about the inspiration of the Bible, the inspiration. Of the scripture and about the accuracy of this Bible, this this book that I hold in my hand right here, it is God's word. This is God's written word to us. And I'm here today, and I believe this, and I believe it with all my heart. I believe that we have the perfect, inspired, and preserved word of God. That I'm holding it right here in my hands. I'm not holding a flawed book here. I'm not holding something that was just put together by a bunch of by a bunch of men. That this is God's word, and I'm here today to tell you that there is there is so much we could talk about. There's a lot of history we could go into on this Bible and how it got translated into English. But boy, I could I could bore you to tears with a lot of that stuff. But we don't have time we don't have time for that. But I want to show you some things from the Bible that proves that we today, according to the Word of God, we have to have a perfect. Word of God. And I believe that we do. And I, well, the first verse I want to read you today is in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 14. And like I said, real quick, I'm going to just, I'm, I want to try to share so much with you. And I tell you, if you have questions and things about this, this is something I would love to talk with you about. And, uh, it's something I, I would love to teach on a lot more if that, if it's something that, uh, you'd be interested in. I really enjoy this subject. But 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 14 says, But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them, and that from a child thou hast known the holy Scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I ask that You'll help me today. Lord, as I attempt to cram a lot into this message, Lord, I pray that it will speak to hearts. And I pray You'll help just give me clarity of thought. And I just pray that uh, that we can all learn something from this God that can help us. Lord, Your Word is so important. And Your God, it's not something that we're supposed to tamper with or mess, that we're supposed to be changing. And God, I pray You'll help us to uh, be faithful to standing for Your Word, Lord, and following it the best of our, at the best of our ability. In Your name we pray. Amen. This passage that we read here, I could talk about really the whole hour, a whole hour just on these verses that we read. But I want you to notice in verse 14 how he tells him to continue and the things which he had learned. You know what we're trying to do here today, and what I'm trying, I try to do every week when I when I come here and I preach the gospel is I'm trying to continue doing what was started 2,000 years ago when Jesus Christ uh, he started when He started the church. When He started with those 12 disciples and he, they went and they started preaching, we're just trying to continue that. We're trying to continue with the things that we've been learned and been assured of. And then in verse 15, He says, "...from a child thou hast known the Holy Scriptures." The Holy Scriptures. Holy. That, I mean, that's what, there's with, without error. It's perfect. Really, there's only the only thing that's really holy is God and His Word. 
On this earth, there's nothing holy. Everything's been corrupted by sin. We've been corrupted by sin. But thank God we have a holy Bible. And I believe it is a holy Bible. And then he says that all Scripture, it's given by inspiration of God. And I believe that it is. It's God-inspired. That word means God-breathed. These are His words. Listen, I mean, we can say some great things, but you know what? We don't have anything to back them up with sometimes. I can stand here and I can say, you know, I could whoop every one of you in here all together at the same time. But you know what? Those are just words. I can't really back it up. Probably about any one or two of you could could take me on. But at the same time, when God says something, He could back it up. He's got the power. And right here we have a book and this is what He said. And if He said that I'm gonna, that He was going to preserve His Word, if He said that His Word is inspired, then you can mark it down. It still is. God can back that up. And you say, well, I believe God's Word is inspired, but just when He spoke it. I don't believe that this book is actually inspired. I don't believe that we've, you know, that we've still got it. But Psalms chapter twelve. I want you to turn over there. Psalms chapter twelve. Many people will say, "I believe the word. I believe the Bible is inspired, but only in the originals." Well, I've never seen an original in my life. In fact, they don't exist. I've seen some pretty old ones. I've seen the Dead Sea Scrolls. Those things are a couple thousand years old. But the truth is, all we have are copies. But God promised that He would preserve. His Word. Not original manuscripts, but His Word would be preserved. Psalms 12.1 says, Help, Lord, for the godly man ceaseth... ceaseth, I can't even say that word. For the faithful fail from among the children of men. They speak vanity, every one with his neighbor, with flattering lips, and with a double heart do they speak. The Lord shall cut off all flattering lips, and the tongue that speaketh proud things, who have said with our tongue... We will prevail. Our lips our own. Who is Lord over us? Right there is what we have going on in churches today. Is we have people who say, you know what? It doesn't really matter what the Bible says. That's just what your Bible says. I've got another one that says something completely different. I've had that said to me many times. And I'm here today to tell you that God didn't say a bunch of different things. That whenever people start talking about all these different versions or all these different examples that they have, that they are nothing more than just poor imitations. And the truth is, it's not God's Word. It's man's Word. And people today are saying this very thing, with our tongue will prevail. It's not what God what God says. It's what we say or what the majority says. But I'm here today to tell you that it's God's Word that's important. It's God's Word that's going to ultimately prevail. And we can talk all we want. And we can get as many people to follow us as we want. But the truth is, God's Word is the one that's going to prevail. It's the one that's going to last. And then in verse uh, verse 6, it says, For the words of the Lord are pure words, as silver tried in the furnace of earth, purified seven times. Thou shalt keep them, O Lord. Thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. And that's not just talking about the spoken Word. That is talking about the written Word of God. He said, Thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. He promised that God promised that He was going to preserve His Word. And yet, people today have said, no, we don't have an inspired Word of God. We don't have anything that we can go to that we can say as a final authority. And so what they have done is just made up their own rules. 
with their own tongues. We'll prevail with our own mouths. We'll make up the rules as we go. Even though society is changing, you know, society is changing. We need to change with it. We need to stay with the times. We need to, uh, you know, go by what the majority says. They act like, you know, the Christianity is about a democracy. No, that's not what it is. Our, our, our churches today, our lives ought to be built on the Word of God. It is the final authority. This written Word of God, it's perfect. It's not flawed. You know, we've got in our country today, we have law, written laws that are in place. But you know what? At the same time, those things are being changed and they're being revised all the time. And they have to because they were put together by imperfect people. And unfortunately, it seems like when we change them, we change them for the worse. But that's a problem that we have in our country and with our legal system. But with the Word of God, that's not a problem. We do not need to keep changing it. We do not need to elect higher officials in the church. We don't need to have you know bishops and popes and all these things to be the final authority. We don't need that. All we need is a group of people like we have here today that will say that we're, you know, we're going to follow the Word of God to the best of our ability. We don't need outsiders coming in and telling us how to run things. We have a Bible today. We have the Word of God. God promised that He was going to preserve it. And we are not supposed to add to Scripture or take away from it. Revelation chapter 22, verse 18 and 19 makes that very clear. Where it says, For I testify unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book. If any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. And if any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city and from the things which are written in this book. God cares very much with how we handle His Word. We do not want to go taking things out of it. One of the, I mean, God, we're not supposed to tamper with it. We don't need to go changing it or fixing it. That is not of us. God's word is holy, and we're just supposed to read it and we're supposed to follow it. And today, people are trying. They're trying to fix it all the time. Have you ever heard the statement, "Don't try and fix what isn't broken"? And I'm here today to tell you that God's word is not broken, and we don't need to be trying to fix it. And I could stand here. And I could talk a long time about how this Bible was translated. And I could talk about the, you know, the Hebrew and Greek that it was translated from, the Texas Receptus and all that, and the King James translators, I mean, translators, what they did. I mean, it was amazing. And it was really miraculous the way this Bible was put together and the way God preserved His Word for the English-speaking people to us. And I believe that this King James Bible I hold right here is a very, it is a, it is, it is the Word of God that it is accurate, that you can follow it, and you're going to be okay. That one verse we read, that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. That word perfect there, it basically just means you know meeting our potential, doing everything that we're supposed to do. How could that possibly be done if we don't have a complete Word of God? It can't be done. Or if we have a flawed Word of God. I'm here today to tell you that it can't be done. And... I wish I could take a lot more time to deal with that, but at the same time, what I want to talk about today is why the attack on the Word of God. Why is what I'm saying, a lot of what I'm saying today, so rare? Why is it that so few people want to talk about that? Why do people want to tamper with the Word of God? I mean, you all remember that long period of history known as the Dark Ages. 
where pretty much the Catholic Church, they, they, the Bible they used was in Latin. They would read it all the time, but nobody understood it. If they wanted to know what they were supposed to do as Christians, they had to just do what the church told them. And you remember, the world was in a very dark, terrible time. A lot of wickedness that went on during that time. But in 1611, this King James Bible came out to the English-speaking people. And it began to get into the hands of common men and common women. And they began to read it and it literally changed the world. A whole group of people came and said, you know what? We need to go. We need to start a country where we can have some religious freedom and where we can go and worship freely according to the Word of God. And the nation of America, it was founded, I believe, largely in part because of this Bible that we have right here. It got us out of the dark ages. Great revivals took place for years and years. And then up into the 1900s and then I mean, great things happened. And all of a sudden, and I don't know what year exactly it happened. I've only been around since 1980. But one thing that started happening, I think a lot of it started happening in the 70s, is all of a sudden we're like, you know what, we need to start retranslating the Bible. We need to start updating it. And a lot of it, I think, was innocent. I think a lot of people were trying to do the right thing, trying to make it easier. But there were many that had no intention of doing that. It was all about distorting the Word of God because they didn't like what it said. They didn't like what was in it. We see that going on in our own government today and with the Constitution. We've got people in office today that do not like the Constitution and but we're supposed to be governed by laws and so they have these judges that are supposed to be making decisions according to what the Constitution says, according to what the law says. And whenever they make those decisions according to the law and they don't like it, well, we need to get different judges. <laughs> we need to get people that will go along with what, we're, you know, with what we're wanting with our agenda. But why is it that people want to attack the Word of God? What is it? Well, first of all, there's three things real quick. Number one is the Word of God exposes sin for what it really is. Romans chapter 3, verse 20 says, Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in His sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. How do we know what sin is today? Bible. Sin isn't just what we think is bad. Sin isn't just what our laws and our government say is bad, sin is what the Bible says is bad. Not doing what the Bible says to do. To him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not. To him it is sin. We can say, and we can say it boldly, what is sin and what is not sin because we have written down what is sin and what's not sin. And we live in a world today where there's a lot of stuff going on that is wicked, it's sinful, and people don't want to hear that. They don't want to be reminded of that. And so they've said, they've tried, went to try to distort the Bible. To take those things out, to make it as vague as possible. Now I can say, well, yeah, well, the Bible says this. And then now people will say, well, that's what your Bible says. My Bible says this. But wait a minute, aren't we talking about God's Word? Isn't God's Word going to be the same? God's not, I mean, we're kind of fickle like that. We change our mind all the time. God doesn't do that. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, Romans 7 7 says, What shall we say then? Is the law sin? God forbid. That's what a lot of people are saying today. They don't like what the Bible says. They're, they're, those of us who are, they call us the Bible thumpers or whatever, we're the bad ones. 
But it says, God forbid, nay, I had not known sin, but by the law, for I had not known lust, except the law had said, Thou shalt not covet. That's how we know what sin is. The Bible. That's how we know right from wrong. What the Word of God says. And if if we can take that away, then people are free to do whatever they want. And then it's just all about opinion. It's all about what I think versus what you think. And there really is no difference. But we're not here just going off of what I think or what you think. We're supposed to be going off what is written down in God's Word. But people don't want it because it exposes sin. You say, well, that's rude. We shouldn't make people feel bad for sin. Well, somebody needs to tell Jesus that then. Because in John chapter 4, in verse 15, you may remember, Jesus was going through Samaria and He went to that woman at the well. And this woman, she was she was a wicked woman. Now, Jesus was loving to her. He was kind. But you know what? Jesus didn't have any problem confronting her with her sin. Listen to what He says. The woman saith unto Him, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. What this lady is basically saying is, Lord, I want to be saved. I want that water of life that Jesus was talking about. And Jesus saith unto her, Go call thy husband and come thither. There was a guy that was in that house that wasn't her husband. And Jesus knew that. And He tells her to go get her husband. And she says, uh, verse 18, or verse 17, the woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said unto her, Thou hast well said, I have no husband, for thou hast had five husbands, and he whom thou now hast is not thy husband. In that sense thou truly. Oh, that probably made her feel bad. Well, you know what? Sins, the Word of God is going to reveal some things in our life. And I don't know, last time I checked, all of us have sin in our life. And all of us have things that we need to be reminded of and we need to be rebuked for. And we need, it, we, uh, we need that. And the Word of God, it's going to convict people of sin. And thankfully, this woman, she didn't get all offended and say, how dare you judge me? You know what she, she did? She repented. She got saved that day. She went and started telling everybody about this man that came and that was a prophet. She called him a prophet. Because she knew what he'd done. People come to church all the time, and it's like we'll start. You know, the preaching gets going, and it's like seems like that pastor knew everything about me. It seems like he was talking right to me. That wasn't me. That was the word of God. The holy, this this holy Bible boy. It speaks. It speaks, and it's going to convict of sin. You're going to come sometimes, and boy, you're not going to feel that good after the message. You're going to feel like you just got chewed out. You may remember those days, maybe when your parents just maybe you got in trouble, and boy, they just let you have it. Maybe one of you remember those days, maybe you were sitting there in the principal's office, and he just, I mean, he just let you have it, and you walked out of there, and you just, you felt about that big. And let me tell you, and hopefully, looking back, you thank God for that. I can think about many times I got the lectures from my parents, and the lectures that were usually. Uh, involved some painful experiences before the lecture and sometime, or maybe after the lecture. And I tell you, looking back, I thank God for that. And it wasn't fun then, but it was exactly what I needed. And the Word of God, it convicts and it exposes sin. And people don't like that because they love their sin. They want to keep doing it. And they don't want anybody making them feel bad. And let me tell you, I don't have the ability 
to make anybody feel bad for what they do, but the Word of God does. I don't have the power to convict. I can put you on guilt trips and things like that, but unless you know, you're really sensitive, hopefully you can get past that. But the Word of God is quick. It's powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword, the Bible says. It's, it's powerful. It's alive. That's what that word quick means there in the Bible. But it exposes sin also. Secondly, this is, we talked about this a lot this morning in Sunday school. And this is one reason people hate it and want to attack it is the Word of God. It is the supreme authority. John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, with a capital W, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness to bear witness of that light with a capital L that all men through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came unto His own, and His own received Him not. But as many as received Him, to them gave He power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on His name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the Word, with the capital W again, was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. That right there was talking about Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ knows how it calls Him the Word. Because let me tell you, the Word of God is what we are supposed to follow. I've heard people many times, they'll say, well, God told me to do whatever. But yet it goes totally against what the Bible says. God doesn't do that. His Word is the supreme authority. If we, if You could say, well, I believe God's the authority. Well, He is the authority. And He also said that He's exalted His Word above His name. Because the truth is, any of us can say God said whatever we want. Any of us could go and translate the Bible however we want to translate it. I heard one guy say one time, preaching a message, he was talking about you know, saying that it was wrong to say that somebody else is wrong because their interpret or how they interpret the Bible is different than how you interpret the Bible. I'm not supposed to interpret the Bible. I'm just supposed to read it. I'm just supposed to follow it. If we're all just going off our own interpretations, said it's we're going to have a mess, and we do have a mess, and that's why we have. 18,000 different religions out there today. And that's why they're so vastly different in many areas. There was a time not that long ago in our history. I was just reading a book about it. I think I mentioned it a couple of weeks ago. Just in the 1800s when the Great Great Awakening was going on, how most of the religions, there was barely any difference. And the main reason, they all had one thing in common. They were all using the same Bible. And therefore, they had all things in common. Now, we don't. Now, we have all kinds of different Bibles. Now, some religions, they've gone as far as to say, you know, it's not what the Bible says. You know, the ultimate is what the church fathers say. That's what our traditions say. You know, everybody says, I believe the Bible. But there are some they believe in traditions over what the Word of God says. There are some today that say they believe in the Bible, but they believe they put their experiences above what the Bible says. They'll say, well, you don't know what happened to me. 
I don't care what happened to you. What does the Bible say? I had a lady here in town one day trying to... I mean, she was preaching to me. Boy, she was letting me have it. Because we don't speak in tongues here. And I told her, I said, well, I said, the way you're talking about tongues, I said, that's not biblical at all. She's like, what? And she's like, and she starts telling me about all these experiences. And I kept telling her what the Bible says. And she kept getting mad. And she and, and I told her about one of the things the Bible said. She's like, you know what? When we get to heaven, I'm going to ask Paul why he wrote that. And so I'll tell you why. He was under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost. So the Bible says, Holy men of God wrote, as God spake, and the holy men of God, they wrote it down. If you, if I was to speak to you and tell you to write down a letter, and you write down what I tell you to write, is that my words or your word? It's my words. God's what is the one that told them what to write. And she's going on and on, and she's like, "Well, what are you going to do one of these days if you're there and you see it happen?" And I told her, so, "Ma'am, I said I don't care if I see a guy speak in tongues, walk on water, and raise somebody from the dead." If he says something contrary to what the Bible says, I'm not supposed to listen. And the Bible says that Satan himself can be transformed into an angel of light. The Bible says we're not supposed to receive another message even if an angel gives it to us. Which, I wish the Mormons would figure that out. Because they're one of the only other groups that's big on the King James Bible, but yet they have their Book of Mormon that was given to them by an angel. Well, doesn't that same Bible that you're supposedly reading say we're not supposed to get another message even from an angel? But once again, people want to ignore what the Bible says. They will ignore the plain written Word that God has made so clear for us. They don't like the fact that it's the supreme authority. And very few churches will even call that the Bible the supreme authority. The Word of God, it is what determines what's right and what's wrong. We talked about it several weeks ago about the opinions. We can all get caught up in opinions all we want, but they're always going to be different. They're always going to conflict. When it all comes down to it, we're supposed to go by what the Word of God says. And if He can't show you somewhere where the Word of God says something, then we probably shouldn't be making too big of a deal about it. And even as Baptists, we can do that sometimes. Make huge deals about things that God didn't even make a big deal about. And we don't want to do that. But it is the supreme authority. And therefore, with us naturally being rebellious people, I mean, we got it from our great-great-great-grandmother Eve when the only law that they had was not to eat of the forbidden fruit and she ate it. With all the other fruit, she still ate it. And we're the same way. And us being rebellious people, it's only natural that we are going to want to rebel against the ultimate of all authorities. And that is the Word of God. It is the supreme authority. You all, we're all like that. I mean, you see those speed limit signs? And they make you mad. You just want to go a little faster. You might have been driving under the speed limit. But you see the sign, it makes you mad. Especially when they have those flashing ones that shows your speed. I don't want to see that. You know why? We're, we're rebellious. We don't like. I remember one time when I was teaching the school, this one kid had this notebook on his desk that said, "Do not touch." And I noticed all the kids would walk by and touch the book. I mean, it was just—it's in us. It's just in us. We're naturally rebellious. Somebody says, "Don't do something," we want to do it. And the Word of God is the supreme, ultimate authority. And another thing too that people don't like about the Bible—you think that they would like this, but they don't. Is it supernaturally accurate? It is supernaturally accurate. Some of us today do not want to be reminded of the truth. I want to 
I'm going to read John 3.16, one of the most well-known verses in the Bible. Everybody loves this verse. And they should. But we're going to read some verses after it too. We're going to keep reading. It says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not... Or, for God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. He that believeth on Him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation that light is coming to the world. Remember that same light which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. Remember that? It says, and light is come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest, that they are wrought in God." The Word of God, it is a light. And it's going to shine a light on your life and it's going to shine a light on your sin. It's going to expose it for what it is. And not only is not only that, I mean it's going to it's going to prove it. Time always tells. Time always proves the Bible right. Every time. I mean, you can mark it down. A lot of times sometimes preachers will or people will say that man, that preacher, he's like a prophet, it's like he knows the future. No, we don't know the future. We just know what the Bible says. And if you're heading on a path of destruction like the Bible says you need to stay away from, you're gonna end up being destroyed. I mean you can just you can look and watch and know what's gonna happen in people's lives sometimes. Why? Because this Bible it's accurate, but people don't like it because it lest their deeds be reproved. If they get too close to the Word of God, it's going to prove them wrong. It's going to prove them wrong. A lot of these debates and things we have going on on what's right and what's wrong in this world today, if people would just look in the Bible, they would find out real quick what the truth is. We're constantly having these stupid gay marriage debates on whether it's okay for a man to marry a man and a woman to marry a woman. and It's ridiculous. You can find out real quick if you look in the Bible what's right when it comes to marriage. God instituted marriage. One man and one woman. God did that. He's the ultimate authority. And He's right. That's what works. I mean, we're not going to reproduce without men and women. I'm sick of hearing people talk about this first man or this first pregnant man. Okay? I don't know if you heard about that. But it's not a man. She was born a woman. And I don't care what surgeries and things she had done. Men don't have babies. Men don't get pregnant. But you know what people are trying to do? They're trying to confuse us. They're trying to twist it. And they're, I mean, everybody's like, oh, the first man to have a baby. And they call him a him or her a him. And I mean, it's ridiculous. And it's confusing. And it's twisted. And the Word of God totally shines a light on that. And people don't want to hear it. We know that's why they're saying we can't have the Word of God in the courthouses. We can't have the Ten Commandments up there. Why? Because it's going to shine a light on a whole bunch of stuff that people don't want a light being shown upon. They don't want to see that. I mean, we see all the crazy stuff that's going on in this world today, and the Bible reveals so clearly that it's wrong. Why do you think in the public schools today they don't want kids reading their Bibles? Because they're trying to teach man that they came from monkeys. The Bible, all they got to do is read the first chapter, and they're going to find out we didn't come from monkeys. 
All they got to do is start reading this book. And that's going to expose all kinds of things that they're teaching that's completely false. And guess what? The Bible, it's, it's, it's accurate. It's constantly being proved right. People say all the time that there's all these flaws in the Bible and there's you know, all these mistakes in there. And they say that with their tongue. But let me tell you, time always tells. And this Word of God, it is not going anywhere. The Word of God today, it is just as right today as it ever was. Nobody will ever completely prove it wrong. Just like nobody will ever necessarily completely 100% prove it right because there is faith that's involved. We do have we do have faith that the one verse I read said uh, that was known the holy scriptures which are able to make thee wise in the salvation and one of those verses might have been that one said through faith it is faith I can't I can't get God to show up here and tell you Himself that this is my complete inspired preserved word of God I can't I can't get him to do that I can't I can't I mean. There's really nothing I can show. It's just by faith. I'm telling you, if you read this book and you follow it, you will see that it is absolutely right all the time. And it is the final authority. And in conclusion, one thing you need to realize too, because people, they will, they will mock us for going off the Bible and letting it be the final authority. But everybody has a final authority. Everybody. Some people's authority is a Hebrew and Greek dictionary. We got a lot of guys in pulpits today that they think they're smarter than the Bible. And whenever they don't like what it says, well, in the Hebrew and in the Greek, it's, this word really should have been translated, blah, blah, blah. And it really should say this. Oh, really? So your Hebrew and Greek dictionary is inspired? Your Hebrew and Greek dictionary has been miraculously preserved by God? Your dictionary is 100% accurate? How many have ever seen a dictionary and they say, always say, revised? Why are they revising it? Things change. Words change. They find mistakes. So they need to constantly change it. But yet at the same time, they will try to use those books to prove this book wrong. Well, there's nowhere in the Bible that said God said He promised He'd preserve a dictionary. Or He would preserve anything like that. He didn't do that. Some people, their final authority is traditions or the leaders in their church. I'm not going to listen to the Bible. I'm not going to make a book my final authority. But I'm going to let a bunch of men be my final authority. A bunch of sinful men that are sinners just like I am. I'll let them be the final authority. Everybody has one. Some people, it's history books. That one lady I was telling you about, she tried to prove the Bible wrong by quoting some history to me that didn't totally line up with the Bible. And I told her, I said, boy, I admire your faith in history. I said, I didn't know God was going to, that He inspired history and that He was going to preserve all history. I didn't know history was inspired, infallible, and inerrant. I didn't know that. I was a little nicer about it. But I said, I didn't know that. And she's like, well, I never said it was. I said, but you're telling me that based on history, the Bible's wrong. That's putting a lot of faith in history that God never promised to preserve. Also, some people, their final authority is documentaries. I love documentaries. But you don't know how many times I've had people come to me and say, well, I watched this documentary that said this and this and this. And yeah, I do. I love a good documentary. But a lot of those people, boy, they got agendas a mile long too. And it's flawed. God did not promise 
to preserve a documentary. And then some people, after you go through all those arguments, they'll say, well, I think. Oh, so your final authority is your opinion. Because you're always right. Because you've never been wrong. Because you've never made a mistake. Let me tell you, I'm as opinionated as anybody. I'm as opinionated as they get. But even I'll admit, I don't want to base my salvation on my opinion. I don't want to base the doctrines that I preach on my opinion or how this church should be run on my opinion because they are often wrong. And some people say, well, I just feel this way. So your feelings are your final authority. Let me tell you, boy, if I went off my feelings, if that was my final authority, I'd be in a lot of trouble. Because I felt like hitting people a lot of times in my life. I felt like breaking the law many times in my life. I mean, I felt like doing all kinds of things that I probably, that I know I shouldn't do. But you know, we don't go by our feelings. We go by the Word of God. God never told us that any of these things were inspired. In fact, we see throughout the Bible and history that all these things are flawed, every one of them. God has only promised that He would preserve His Word, and I believe He's done it. And I believe we have it today. I believe I'm holding it right here. I have something I can depend on, something I can count on. I can tell people today I know I'm on my way to heaven. And it's not because I think highly of myself. It's because I know what the Bible says. I've read how we can know we're saved. I've read how to get saved. And I did what the Bible said to do. And when I tell anybody that I know I'm going to heaven, I'm not bragging on myself. I'm just bragging on this book. It told me how. It can tell you how. If you'll do what it says, you can know for sure that you're on your way to heaven too. Thank God for His Word. Thank God that we have that. That we're not wandering in the dark. That we have a light. That we we have a book that we can go to. And when it all comes down, we can argue. We can debate things all we want. And I love a good debate. And there are some things I think it's okay to debate. There are some things we don't really know about, and I love talking about them. But when it all comes down to it, the most important things they're there. Everything we really need, it's in the Word of God. It's there for us. And thank God. We have it today. And if you don't have one, we'd love to help you get one. We've got some here. It's it's important. I'm not intimidated by anybody that reads their Bible. It's not going to scare me. In fact, it's only going to encourage me. Because I know if you're reading if you're reading the Bible, you're going to get truth and it's only going to help you. And it's not going to hurt me until I quit preaching the truth. And then I need to be in trouble. Real fast. I hope you will fall in love with this book. So let's stand together this morning with our heads bowed and eyes closed.